1: In my new book, With Mark Tim, mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Shark Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Natasha Miller, author of Relentless, Homeless Teen to Achieving the American Dream. The American Entrepreneurial Dream, host of the Fascinating Entrepreneur Show, chairman of entrepreneur, chairwoman, chairperson, whichever you want to call it, uh, entire productions, along with a whole bunch of other things. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. It is our pleasure. So let's go back in time. How did you get started?
0: With the business. I was a classically trained violinist and a jazz vocalist. Well, it sounds like a totally normal
1: career path.
0: Yeah, completely. I mean, it will make sense here in a moment, but I was performing professionally since high school and I was playing a lot of corporate events and social events. And when an event would come in and I was already booked, I was not in a position of turning down that extra revenue. And so without knowing that I was creating a business or becoming an entrepreneur, I would um, tell the client, I'm not personally available, but I can bring in someone, uh, you know, a string quartet or a jazz ensemble, as good as I am and probably better, and manage them for you. And uh, Entire Productions was born when I realized that this was actually a business. (laughs) I needed to have a business license and pay taxes, um, and that was over 23 years ago.
1: Well, that is absolutely incredible. I, I want folks to go get the book. So I don't want you to spill everything, but I do want to go because your <laughs> subtitle is From Homeless to Appear- to Achieving the Entrepreneurial Dream. Yeah. Can you go back to that time a little bit? Cause I'm I'm very fascinated.
0: Yes, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. So the middle of the country. In you know, my coming of age was mid-80s, but in the 70s and 80s, um, there wasn't much support for uh, mental health and, you know, family crisis. And I was treated very badly. And the short story without blowing the entire book, which it can't because so many crazy things have happened in my life, both horrific and incredible. um, I was dropped off at a homeless shelter on Christmas day.
1: Oh my God. When I was
0: 16 years old by my father um, after a very abusive episode with my mother at home. Uh, And I never got to return back. So I, I, yes, the homeless thing, you know, and now that I have a year and a half away from the, you know, release of the book, I realize that the title is a little misguided because I think, you know, when people read that, they think, oh, poor her, her family must have had to, you know, live in their car or in a shelter. Honestly, it was worse than that for me. Uh, because I was abandoned. So um, I wrote this book, and I thought I was special. I thought, wow, you know, I've got to these great heights, and I've suffered so much, and people are going to be blown away by this story. But what happened is, as I I created a keynote, which is called It's Not Enough to be Resilient, I did a lot of research, and of course, realized that uh, there was a study done Um, and many psychiatrists and psychologists talk about this, that 75% of very successful people uh, can point to a traumatic element or traumatic upbringing. So I'm not special at all. However, we're not talking about this. It's not cocktail conversation. It's not, you know, icebreaker conversation, although clearly I'm okay with that now. Uh, But these days people are starting to open up about, you know, their, their own experiences. And I think this book has been a catalyst for a lot of people and funny enough, especially men, men are the ones that are more vocal and um, come to me with their own stories and with their own admittance of things that happened to them. So it's, it's done its trick and some more tricks that I didn't expect.
1: That is absolutely incredible. So I can't imagine, you know, what you went through or how it felt to go through that. I I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you are special. (laughs) Just because other people may have went through something doesn't make you any less special for going through what you went through.
0: Okay, so I'll accept that. And what I really meant was um, no one's going to believe this because this doesn't happen to anyone. Well, it actually kind of does. So, um, but I had no idea when I was writing the book and it's probably a good thing I didn't really have that data point at the time.
1: Absolutely. So it's fascinating that you found the study showing 75% of super successful people had some type of trauma Um Obviously, that common element fuels some things. Mm -hmm. What do you think, and then we'll get on to all the amazing stuff you're up to today, I promise. What do you think were three of the biggest lessons you learned from Mm -hmm. getting from where you were to where you are? Yeah,
0: I was always waiting and looking and hoping for someone to save me. And the lesson in the book is no one is coming to save you. No one. There might be people that will help along the way. But you likely have it within yourself to save yourself. So um, I just want to hit that home for anyone listening that is waiting around. It's not going to happen. I've learned that I'm my best self. And this is a positive but also a negative, like many things. I'm my best self in a challenge. You put up an obstruction and you will see me working at my greatest ability and capacity. To overcome that so the flip side can be well then you're always looking for trouble or you have to live in a a constant world of chaos in order to you know so um there's that and i don't know if i have a number three i think number three is what i've learned is um that i was thinking small uh, for most of my life and it wasn't until 2015 when I went to the Goldman Sachs 10KSB program, when I joined EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, and started hearing stories of people around me and hearing much bigger numbers, right? And um, I've definitely grown into that because at that point, I had exceeded the expectation of what I would do for myself and what others thought would, you know, I had a couple million dollar revenue business and I was happy to have that for a while, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So when I saw other people's um, challenges and and success, success, being successful, I was like, oh, I'm going to open up that window. And it's like blown open now.
1: It does. I am an EO as well. And it does expand your horizons because I have had a sim- I have similar experiences, but I've seen other people with numbers much bigger than ours have been, and I go, wait a second, I'm smarter than that person. I know <laughs> things they don't know. I'm better. Th- How is it that their business is so much bigger? I got to catch. I- it inspires you to think bigger about yourself. So, talk a little bit about the company now, because you went from, hey, I'll manage a viol- I'll-, I'll get you a violinist or a string quartet. Yeah. to some incredible <laughs> large-scale events. So take us that a little is- bit on that journey.
0: <laughs> it did uh, develop a bit since then. So for so long, it was, we were, we were providing entertainment of every genre and every discipline from local to headline talent for corporate events, mostly, and some social events still. And um, I was really pushed by an advisor who's also a friend and a client To expand my horizons and get into event production. And I was really scared that our clients, uh, if we started producing events, those people that were buying the talent would then become our competitors and that maybe they would stop purchasing event production from us. So I was really like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, we started to do it. Long story short, all of those competitors are still our clients. So now we're pro- providing, we still provide entertainment to the to our competitors and to other clients. And now we're pro- producing conferences and meetings and big explosive launch and celebration, IPO celebrations, holiday parties. Uh, for Fortune 500 companies, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So for us, our clients are Google and Salesforce and Apple and Facebook. And yes, I get to rattle off and name drop uh, but I I mean, we do excellent work, but we're also placed situationally in a place where that's going to be our, you know, that's going to be our clientele.
1: It certainly helps. It does. Yeah. Uh, I see multiple copies of the book Traction behind you. Can you talk mm. a little bit about how yeah. EOS has affected your business?
0: Yes. Yeah, so EOS came into my purview through EO um, a few years before the pandemic, maybe even longer. And we were so small, and I was so, I was again thinking small. I wasn't investing in executives. I wasn't investing in high um, salary employees. So EOS didn't really make sense to us back then because you have to have, you have to have a leadership team, right? To to create the EOS uh, full system. And what I looked at after I read the book was, oh, wow, I'm organically already doing some of the things that EOS Traction says to do. And I'm doing some of the harder things, but there's a lot of things I'm not doing. And once we started putting that system into place, having some coaching, having an executive le- leadership team, it just tightens everything up. It's like going around and tightening up all of your Allen screw wrenches, you know, or, you know, and, and, much more than that. So I think it's more of really a faster trajectory to success. And the more you push against it, the slower your growth is gonna be. And it doesn't have to be EOS Traction specifically. That's what I've chosen for my business, scaling up um, paradigm. There are lots of other solutions and they're, they're reminiscent of each other. OKRs, just do something.
1: Absolutely do something. You have achieved so much. What's your biggest challenge now?
0: My biggest challenge now. I ended up doing so much during the pandemic because if you remember what I said on my best person, my best self in a challenge. And our entertainment and event production company went from multi-million dollars to zero. And we had to wait for our clients to catch up to the idea that the pandemic was going to last a couple of weeks and switch over to the mindset of we're going fully virtual, we're gonna do these events, we have to do them different. So I got on for the last three years, I've been on high charge of pivoting, pivoting, pivoting. And then also in case uh, my livelihood was going to completely dissipate, I started so many other things. And so my biggest challenge now, which I'm actually remedying is I have so many irons in the fire and I had to push pause on a publishing company. On I had, had to put my um, podcast on sabbatical on a hiatus. I had to push pause for my mental health and my stamina. So okay. I have a VP of operations in right now and I'm just, I am like, I'd like to just throw everything at her but I am being careful about how I disseminate the tasks, but I am letting go. Uh, And I don't really have trouble with that. So it's sort of anti your question, but that is a challenge that's going on.
1: Awesome. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing now?
0: It's so creative. It's so high level and also so important. The work that we do with our clients on figuring out what they really want to achieve out of the event making them focus on what the outcomes are so that we can measure against it, giving them ideas to get them to those outcomes lights me up.
1: For our listeners who aren't Apple, Google, or Facebook, who is an (laughs) ideal non fortune 500 company.
0: You know, for event planning, if you have an event where you're going to spend about a hundred thousand dollars or more, you can, you can work with us. That's our minimum engagement. And um, you know, that, That includes a lot of people, right? It's not just Fortune 500. Those for us are easier targets because they have budgets and they have a lot of events that they slate through a year.
1: All right. For our folks who have been watching and listening, where is the best place for them to go learn about you, the book, and the podcast?
0: NatashaMiller.com will take you into my personal and entrepreneurial world. And EntireProductions.com is the event and entertainment
1: production business. Awesome. And make sure to go get the book, Relentless Homeless Teen to Achieving the Entrepreneur Dream. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Natasha Miller. Natasha, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level, but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream.
0: To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become
1: the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number 1 Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast. At 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c suiteradiocom